Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, promoting pathological positivity at Live on Purpose Radio today. We're going to do this in a remarkable way today. I have a phenomenal guest with me here in studio. Many of you will recognize her name. Most of you will remember her story. This is Elizabeth Smart. Say hello, Elizabeth. Hi. So glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Uh, You know what? I've been wanting to invite you to have this conversation for a while. And it's, it's sort of naturally emerging from some other conversations that we're having about empowering kids. And not just kids, but all people to realize some things about how how they can actually handle whatever life hands to them. So I don't know what you know about that, but... Well, basically, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. is that it all comes down to a choice. It's not so much what happens to us that makes a difference in our life and makes us who we are. It's really our choices that make us who we are. I mean, deciding to get up in the morning instead of staying in bed when something difficult is going on Hmm. makes us who we are. That's just one small example of a powerful principle. For those of our listeners, Elizabeth, who might not immediately recall, give us a quick overview, a recap of your story. Okay. Maybe the version that you share when you're invited to speak. Well, we might be here for a while if I did But the abbreviated (laughs) version of that. Okay, well, when I was 14 years old, I was pretty quiet, pretty shy. Wallflower would be a good definition Mm. of kind of who I was. I was right about to graduate from junior high. I was looking forward to high school. Mm -hmm. I remember going home and going to bed one night and I shared a room with my younger sister and a man came in, broke into the house. He had a knife held to my neck and he told me that he would kill me if I didn't get up and go with him. So I went with him. He took me far up into the mountains where he held me captive chained me up, raped me, uh, withheld water Mm. and food and and sleep from me um, in order to get me to do what he wanted. Also, I was under threat that if I ran away or if I ever did anything that they didn't want me to do, that they'd kill me and that they would kill my family. And so whenever an opportunity came to be rescued, I had that thought in my back of my head. And I've been asked many times, well, why didn't you run away? And you know, you're so close. Why didn't you do something? But 
let me just explain this because... Yeah, this is important. I think it is important. First of all, I had never really seen my captors fail at anything. I mean, they told me... Well, first of all, they kidnapped me and no one had stopped them. Somehow they pulled that off. Yeah. And then they hid me so far up in the mountains where it's... I mean, even if you know the general location of where the camp is hidden, it's still almost next to impossible to find. Right. They had... Which was by design. Yeah. They had they had chained me up. They had the camp. It was very well stocked. I mean, not only was there a tent and tarps, but they'd begin digging into the mountainside to create a like an underground dwelling. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They had containers of, of food. They had a place where they could get water and they would bring containers of water up. I mean, they were, they were very, very well prepared. They were hunkering down for the long haul. Yeah. So, I mean, very difficult to find. Um, and then they chained me up so I couldn't run away. And every time they told me they were going to do something to me, they Mm -hmm. did. And no one was there to stop them. So when they'd sit there and they'd tell me that they were going to kill my family, I had no reason to doubt them. I had every every reason reason to believe believe that. Exactly. And I think it's important actually to just talk about this for a second because Mm -hmm. I know I'm not the only one who's ever been asked, well, why didn't you run? And even the few times I did try to run, um, did not work out at all. But I want to talk about this because so many other survivors are out there and they're constantly being asked, well, you know, 10 years or 11 years or five years or however long it is. Why didn't you do something? And it's so important to talk about this to help people realize that that is not the question that they should be asking because their survivor doesn't sit there and hear like the question they're really asking. They're Mm -hmm. not hearing their curiosity. They're hearing you should have done something and it's your fault. It's not even really a question at that point. It's more of an accusation. And whatever this person is trying to overcome, Mm -hmm. I mean, they they have a lot already. They don't need other people questioning them and, and doubting them and, and not knowing because the truth is that none of us really understand what a person goes through How could when you? they're in that situation. Right. They don't know the circumstances. And, and quite frankly, they do not have the right to ask those kinds of questions mm. because they don't know. Right. When you wrote your book, and, and folks, if you really want Elizabeth's take on this, go to her story. In fact, you called it My Story, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, My Story by Elizabeth Smart. She'll tell you what her experience was. And Elizabeth, in your book, you, you return to this topic many, many times. The fear that was implanted in your mind and heart on purpose by your captors was a real force that determined a lot of your decisions. And for, for a casual onlooker to observe this and say, well, why didn't you just run or scream or whatever? Because there were several times when your captors brought you right down into Salt Lake City. And... Like I say, the casual onlooker might think, well, just do something, right? 
Right. And I think that's a natural response. Sure. But it is short-sighted. Yes. Because from inside of this thing, and you did a nice job explaining this in your book, the fear was real. You had every reason to believe that your only chance of survival, which was your objective from day one, Mm -hmm. you decided to survive. And your best way to do that would be to comply with what they were asking you to do. Because otherwise, it was certain death for you, for your family, for people that you love. So given those choices, it makes perfect sense. And I absolutely think that mental bonds and emotional shackles Mm. can be much stronger than any physical chain. Absolutely. Because I've had both. And uh, yes, you have. I I think the the mental bonds are much stronger than mm-hmm. those physical ones. Even on the day you were found, as the police officers surrounded you and your captors, it took a while for you to feel free enough of those mental shackles to admit, "I am Elizabeth." It did. It was scary. I mean, there was a huge part of me inside that just wanted to scream out, yes, I'm here. Please save right. me. I mean, I'd wanted it every time I'd been out in public. Right. But then there was also that part of me that had seen time and time again getting hurt, being told that yes. they'd kill me, that they'd kill my family, watching them look at another person just straight in the eyes and lie to them flat out. And that person would be 100% convinced and whatever it was they were told. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it was scary. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a big moment for me when I, when I finally admitted who I was to the police officer. And it still felt risky. Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. Because I still didn't know necessarily where the police officer was coming from. I didn't know necessarily what the last sort of take on my case was whether people thought that Mm -hmm. I had voluntarily run away or that right that somehow I had some kind of choice in this Mm -hmm. so then especially then when I was handcuffed and then brought to the police station and I just wasn't told anything and I was left alone in a little small room Mm -hmm. part of me was thinking wait a second oh no what did I just do right um fortunately I mean my dad did come in at that moment and I realized that it was going to be okay, and that whatever lay in front of me, I'd survive because my parents were going to be there, and they would never let another person hurt me the way that my two captors had hurt mm-hmm. me the last nine months. Right. Wow. So this is the short version. Yes, that's the short version. <laughs> For the, uh, seriously, people, if you want the long version, read the book, because you've gone to the pains, Elizabeth, of of detailing the whole experience. And I don't mean, I don't mean the sordid, nasty details. I mean, you share enough in a tasteful way to let people know what actually happened so that there can be a conversation about how these things do happen and what can we do about it if this happens to us personally or to someone that we love. And I'm hearing one of your messages is, let go of the judgment thing. 
Don't pretend that you know better than this person who's going through the experience because you did everything that you knew to do to accomplish your number one objective, which was to survive. And then after you survive, then we'll figure out what to do with it from there, right? Right. And I believe that people do this naturally. And they, they choose whatever they think is going to serve them the best in the moment. So it's not our place to, to judge or, um, or evaluate that unfairly. So Elizabeth, here's the powerful part. Okay. You're okay. Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, it goes against some of the traditional thinking, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, that there's an assumption that if this kind of thing happens to you, it messes up or breaks or fractures your life in a way that you can never really recover fully. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that before? Yes, I've seen it many mm-hmm. times, many times. So what's the truth of the matter? You said something about choice. What's, what's up with that? Well, it does come down to our choices. And I think I even mentioned this in my book, but one of my mm-hmm. favorite movies is Ever After. Uh-uh. Um, Basically, it's, Cinderella story. Yep, Cinderella story. And there's this point in the movie where the evil stepmother is having Cinderella brush out her long hair. Mm. And they're sitting there kind of talking about her father. And the evil stepmother finally says something like, um, well, we, we mustn't ever feel sorry for ourselves because no matter how bad things get, they can always get worse. Mm. And I know that sounds really kind of cynical a cynical take on Uh, life but i think that is so true i mean there's always a reason to be grateful and we can make that choice because it can always get worse even if it seems so horrendous so horrific that it couldn't get worse it still could we'll be right back My name is Chris Crone, and thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. I became financially independent, starting from nothing, by the age of 26. My purpose is to financially liberate the captive. Are you searching for a realistic, proven system in real estate to create enough residual income to retire or fund your dreams? I invite you to learn about a passive, turnkey, proven system and approach to real estate where my team of 200 experts can do all the heavy lifting to create the freedom you're searching for. Visit www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com to get a free copy of my book, The Straight Path to Real Estate Wealth. Just enter the code FREE at www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. 
We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com Success in any endeavor does not happen by accident. Rather, it's the result of deliberate decisions, conscious effort, and immense persistence, all directed at specific goals. Gary Ryan Blair John Schmidt playing here. You know what? We should have pulled up some harp music. <laughs> you are a, an accomplished harpist. Yes. Did I say the right word? You did. It is a harpist? It is a harpist. Or an harpist? Ah, better not torture I, my brain about that one. Just, we'll go with that. Yeah. We should have had you bring it. You could have played a little interlude oh, well i might be a little rusty <laughs> <laughs> all right you set something up perfectly just before the break elizabeth you were talking about um ever after and you know what there's another scene from that movie that i just thought of that i love do you know when when the princess danielle de barbarac i think was her name mm-hmm she got captured by this unsavory character, Pierre Le Pew. Yes. Remember him? Oh, yes. Well, she wasn't real excited about being captured. So she wipes him out mm-hmm. and leaves. Well, then the prince rides up to rescue her. And he <laughs> rides in on his horse, right? And she's right. like, what are you doing here? He says, I came to rescue you. Rescue me? What for? She's like, dude, I just rescued myself. And then in another scene, they're accosted in the in the woods there, and the prince convinces these thugs to let her leave and take whatever she can carry. Do you remember that piece? <laughs> yes. And what does she carry? She carries him. She picks him up and carries him out of there. Ah, yeah, we could have some fun with that. Yes. About how you take matters into your own hands and you get to be your own rescuer and in a lot of ways that is true isn't it it is it comes right back to our choices we can well really for me it came down to my mom Mm. um after i was rescued the morning after she's my best friend so we were in chatting and um i was getting up and i was walking out of her room and she stopped me and she said elizabeth you know, what this man has done to you is is terrible. And there aren't words strong enough to describe how wicked and evil he is. He's stolen nine months of your life from you that you'll never mm. get back. The best punishment yeah. you could ever give him is to be happy, is to live your life and to find those things that you want to do. So, so don't let him steal another second. Not another second. And... I think that's pretty good advice for all of us because, I mean, maybe we're not all kidnapped, but we all have our own personal struggles that we feel like they're Mount Everest that we're trying to climb. Yeah, right. But it's our decisions to keep on climbing and to keep on trying and to keep on fighting that set us apart from just laying down on the ground and giving up and dying. Right. For you to give up, 
to curl up in fetal position in the corner, to declare your life a disaster would give him far too much power. Way too much. Do you agree? Absolutely. So he's chilling in prison. Yes. Forever. Yeah. (gasps) He doesn't have any opportunity to be released. No, he does not. Okay, and what are you doing? You're happily married. You're working your foundation. You're on Live On Purpose Radio. (laughs) I am living my life. Yeah, and it's a good life, isn't it? It's a great life. You've been criticized sometimes, Elizabeth, for um, maybe just blowing this off or pretending that things are okay. What would be your response to that? I feel sorry for them because clearly Mm. they don't know how great life is and they don't realize how worthwhile it is living for them to think that I need to give up the rest of my life to feel sorry for myself. Over nine months. Yeah. I mean, I'm 26 and a half. And And a half. You're still counting halves, Elizabeth. Well, no, I'm just trying to give myself as many months as possible. So if you take 26 and a half years worth of months, I mean, Mm -hmm. are you doing the math? No, I'm not that good. But that's a well, it's a lot of months. It's a significant, it's in the thousands of months. Right. I'm pretty sure. And um, so you take all those hundreds or thousands of months and you say, okay, nine months of those months were pretty bad. Pretty horrendous. Pretty terrible. But nine bad months out of however many thousands of good months, I would say that's pretty good odds Mm. all in all. I mean... Overall, your life has been amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I just can't imagine allowing those nine months to mess up however many more thousands of months I'm going to live. There's a traditionally held belief, and I think it's perpetuated in the field of psychology more than I want to admit. I'm, I'm not proud of this, and I don't ascribe to this personally. But in the industry, it's almost to feel that if these certain things happen, then that will spoil or color or alter all the rest. <sighs> I have a little problem with that. I could see both ways on that. I mean, I have met many people where it has, that has been all too true, the case. Well, look at yourself too, Elizabeth. It has changed things for you. Absolutely. There is no question about it. How it changes it. Now, that's the choice. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Just before the break... As you were quoting that movie and you said, okay, it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. How has that thought served you both during the time that you were in that situation and since? Well, during the situation, it would help me help to remind me of things that I could be grateful. And you may ask, well, how could it have been worse? I mean, you were chained up, you were taken from your family, you're being sexually abused every single day. Well, it was kind of those small things. I remember I'd heard a story that happened to a prisoner of war from World War II. 
mm-hmm. who had been withheld food and water so long that the only way that they had to survive was to drink their own urine and eat their own feces. Well, I never oh, got wow. to that point. So that would remind me, yeah, <laughs> that would make it worse. You know, I can be grateful that I don't have to do that yet. Wow. Okay, so here you are starving, but not completely. This was kind of your thought process. This could still be worse. Yeah. I'm grateful that it's not. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm grateful that um, another thing that could have made it worse would be if, I mean, maybe I would have been abused so badly that my body couldn't function anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe what if I had broken an arm and... I couldn't mm-hmm. use it. And I, that would have made it worse. Not to mention the extra pain that I would have been in. That would have made it That's worse. That's right. I mean, there was just always something that I could think of that could make the situation worse. And even small things like, well, it could be raining today. That would make it worse. Mm. Or um, it could be, you know. 115 today. That could make it worse. You shared in the book that there were times when you thought it couldn't get any worse than this, and then it did. Yes. (laughs) Oh, there's some power in this psychology, Elizabeth, because when we acknowledge that it could always be worse and that what we have is better than that, we feel different. Okay, it doesn't change our circumstances. We're still in the difficult circumstances mm-hmm. that we are. But when we realize that it could be worse, it puts us into a positive psychological state, which allows us then to be more creative and productive. Okay, even your objective to survive, you were determined to do that, even if you had to outlive this guy, right? Right. You were determined to survive. So in your mind, always being destroyed or killed would be worse than what you were dealing with. And that thought helped to sustain you and bring you through to the amazing life that you're having now, which is completely trouble-free, right? (laughs) Right. Right. I never have any problems. I remember somebody telling me early on, just before I got married, marriage is the end of all of your problems. They just don't tell you which end. Oh. <laughs> but <Yeah>. there's <laughs> okay. I just throw that out there because there's always going to be challenges, of course. But this this ability to choose, how am I going to look at this? Am I going to see this as the most terrible thing that could ever happen to me? Or am I going to look at this as, well... It's not as bad as it could be and feel that gratitude, which will help to propel me forward. Well, you know, I think it was actually very important for, I mean, for me to get to that point was Mm -hmm. every time that I did think I hit rock bottom, something worse would happen. I mean, it always would. And that's when I realized that, geez, there is something that could always make this be worse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what helped me see that. And see that. That's a hard way to learn it. I still have things I can be grateful for. Right. What a powerful attitude that is. And and your choice. 
to to not only see that what you have is better than it could be, to recognize and realize that you have something to do with how this is going to play out and and what the effects or non-effects will be of this event in my life. You did a nice job in your book summarizing that, especially in the last couple of chapters where you bring all of that together. So I, I want to take just, we have just a couple of minutes left. You're on a mission now mm-hmm. to educate, to teach, to open up conversations so that we can talk about the reality that these things happen and let's figure out what we can do about it. Is that a fair summary? That's a fair summary. What you're up to. And you do that through speaking, through your book, through a foundation that you've established. Let's make sure that people have a way to get connected with you to participate in that conversation. What would you say is the best way for for people to do that? To carry on conversations in their own home and do not just let them die when Mm. your momentary conversation has finished. I mean, I think one of the great tragedies is that there are so many stereotypes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. perceptions that go along with the phrase of I was raped. Right. And I think we need to change that and we need to talk about it and we need to make it so that heaven forbid that happens. But if it does, that people feel comfortable coming forward and saying that and that they know they have t- tools, they can deal with it, but that right. also they realize the importance in that so that we can stop that from happening to other people in the future. What? We can actually talk about this stuff? I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Ah, Yeah, and especially in families where there can be a conversation, open conversation. It means certain things and it doesn't mean other things. Absolutely. True? Yes. Elizabeth, you've set up a website as well. Yeah. And let me see if I've got this right. It's Elizabeth Smart Foundation dot org did i get it right yes you got it right okay elizabeth smart foundation dot org and there's going to be other revisions coming soon to that site but you've got some some resources and media there mm-hmm. to help with that conversation yes um they can connect with you that way is that right yes also another great website to go to to help bring this conversation along mm-hmm. is radkids.org that's r-a-d-k-i-d-s dot org radkids.org doing some amazing things to educate children about personal protection oh elizabeth there's so much we could talk about <laughs> and we will we're collaborating on some other materials that you will have access to at some point in the future thank you so much elizabeth smart thanks for having me everybody go out there and live on purpose <laughs>